Welcome, everybody, to We're Just Saying with your host, Senator Vicki Sawyer. Very happy to be back here after a couple weeks off. want to thank our co-host or pinch hitter, uh, Ron Duck Wyatt from the town of Troutman. Grateful to be here. You also get me solo because uh, David Coble is out doing David Coble things. So hopefully he's having a good time and safe trip. But it is the season, tis the season to celebrate, celebrate a bunch of things like Hanukkah and Christmas. But we're also celebrating the start of filing, candidate election filing season. If you're if your X feed or Facebook or Instagram is like mine, it seems like every day there's a new person saying that they want to represent you doing something. And so I I thought that today would be really a nice time and maybe over the next few weeks to highlight some great senators that serve in North Carolina. Um, so today we are going to have three guests. We're going to start with Danny Britt, Senator out of Lumberton, North Carolina. Then we're going to move on and we will also have a Senator Benton Solry. That's right. Not Sawyer, Solry. So Benton will be calling in at the um, about 12.15. And then we'll finish up the show with Senator Eddie Settle, who's actually guest host here before. But I thought it'd be a great way to introduce some of these amazing senators that I serve with to you um, in the North Carolina State Senate. So we're waiting on uh, Senator Danny Britt. But let me tell you a little bit about him as we move forward. Um, so Senator Britt, he was born in Robinson County. That's Robeson, not Robinson. So that's Eastern North Carolina. Uh, so to to a mother who was a retired textile worker and a father who's a state employee. He grew up spending his summers in tobacco fields where he learned how to work hard and make a living. Danny enlisted in the North Carolina Army National Guard after high school and went on to play football at Appalachian State University, which he reminds us of a lot because he's there all the time and bragging, but good for him. And then after college, he got a law degree. He came back to his home county to work in a small law office. Danny later became a prosecutor in the Robeson County District Attorney's Office. So Danny serves with us, and he is one of those guys that are the go-to when it comes to um, criminal law, because he does practice a lot of criminal law in Robeson County. So when a lot of you folks call me and say, hey, I just got a speeding ticket or I'm in trouble or what do we do? I text Danny to say, what would Danny do? <laughs> Give me an advice. But he may be actually practicing law right now. So let's while we wait on him, let's move to a couple other things. Speaking of law, we have a bunch of brand new laws that actually start today. Um, one of them that Danny was very instrumental in and happy that it is is that now the uh, churches who also have a school on the same um, property would be able to uh, parishioners while they're worshiping would be able to carry a weapon onto premises while um, they are having church service. So before there are schools that are associated with churches um, and even though the schools were not in um, session, uh, say a Wednesday night or a Sunday, the churches were meeting. Well, the state law prohibited anyone to carry a firearm onto school property. So therefore, especially when we had so many of those 
horrible and terrible attacks on churches. And while they were worshiping, um, those churches who had schools that were on their same campus reached out to us and said, hey, we want to be able to protect ourselves the way that other churches and other communities uh, are protecting themselves as well. So Danny was a part, and uh, I think Senator Perry um, and a few others uh, were really a part of spearheading this legislation that actually comes into effect today that allows for those churches who have um, service uh, that and also have schools on their property will be able to uh, protect themselves and to be carry on on site. You know, something else that has a baby, I guess a new new law today, a baby law that's now a real law, uh, which is House Bill 40 is prevent rioting and civil disorder. Um, we have been hearing a little bit lately in the news about uh, COVID and some effects of COVID and what had happened. Um, this was one of those laws that we really had uh, listened to you guys about your frustration with folks who were not peacefully protesting, right? I remember downtown Raleigh walking after one of these protests, or, or it wasn't a peaceful protest, it was a, a melee and a riot. Um, and there were bricks literally taken out of the sidewalks and thrown through small business windows downtown. I mean, there was couches and um, that were pulled out and set on fire. I just remember boarding up everywhere. It was really not a peaceful protest. It was an absolute anarchy and um, damage on these businesses. So now uh, the preventing riot and civil disorder um, law has become is starts today. Um, and it basically just says that, you know, hey, look, peaceful protests, absolutely protected. But when you start breaking in and damaging other people's property, causing serious injury, property damage, um, including including if a person causes more than $2,500 in damage during a riot or serious bodily injury, um, or if that person causes a death while rioting, then those you will be prosecuted against. Um, that is something that I think that was just absolutely needed, and I'm glad that we have that. Uh, Senate Bill 364, another law that was very controversial when we were passing, but it is the Non-Discrimination and Dignity in State Work Act. Really, that says if you're going to, and probably more or less looking at some of our universities, sorry to say that, but if you're going to work for the state and you go in and you have a job application, during that interview, you're not asked to disclose or made to disclose your political leanings. Um, I don't know... For those of you who grew up in North Carolina, you've heard stories about you had to be a registered Democrat in order to work for the sheriff because we were so heavily Democrat. Or you had to be um, a registered Democrat to work at the Register of Deeds or all these other things. And that was a practice that had happened um, along and maybe even now, but uh, folks would look at your political leanings, ask you who you support, and that would be conditioned on how you were hired. This law basically says none of that anymore. Um, it was you know, that's a nod to the past. This is more or less making sure that when people are being hired and work for the state, that their political leanings is not um, indicative of, you know, whether they should be hired or not. So again, that's another protection that we have heard from and responded to your request to make law. Um, we also had, again, uh, Senate Bill 20, the Care for Women, Children and Families Act. Uh, most of you guys remember that as the um, Abortion Care Act. Um, remember, it restricts abortions after 12 weeks with exceptions for the life of the mother, for health of the baby, and for rape and incest. Those exceptions are very, very important. Um, that went in effect July 1. However, um, other parts of the bill go in effect today, including a provision dealing with safe surrender of infants. 
So before, if a mother had a baby, I guess a parent, so a, a father too, um, that they would only be able to turn over their baby without um, prosecution for seven days. So now we have absolutely extended that so that the baby can be turned over at 30 days old. So that gives a lot of, um, and remember the safe surrender is, the safe surrender means not going to, uh, um, you know, anybody and just handing over your baby and say, I can't take this baby anymore. There are certain places that you can surrender that child. So that would be like a fire station, a hospital, um, any kind of EMS uh, professional. So that is another uh, example of how we're going to help uh, women and families after um, birth, ex- especially with the family leave um, that we have paid for. And there's a lot of other things in that bill that is becoming law that is actually good. Um, So it looks like we missed out on Danny. Hopefully he'll call in a little bit, but we are excited next to have Senator Benton Sorry calling in. So please stay in after the break. We'll be happy to talk to Benton. And thank you for listening to We're Just Saying. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in. And I'm excited to announce our next guest, Benton Salry, not Sawyer, Salry. And we'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> hey, good morning, Benton. Thank you so much for calling. Hey, good morning, Vicki. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Good. Well, Benton, I do want to brag on you just a little bit before we get into the show for uh, the next 15 minutes that I have you. But uh, a little background on Benton. Benton is from Johnston County. So for those of you who are familiar with your geography in North Carolina, if you're looking at Raleigh and Wake County, Johnston's just to the right. Very similar to Iredell County, fast growing in a close bedroom communities of a major um, city. And Benton, though, has been there not just a few days, but he's been there for many generations. His family, he's a third generation graduate of North Carolina State University. He attended the University of South Carolina for law school. So, no, we will not hold that against you. So (laughs) you are a Gamecock (laughs) and a Wolfpacker. But I know from our text threads that you definitely root for NC State. Um, you're a small town. I, I, I am everything USC fans hate. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed. I, uh, you and Senator Johnson going back and forth is quite the history. Right. Of, yeah, I know. Um, just to finish up real quick, you're a small town attorney and you help small business owners and farmers with transactions and navigating complex regulatory and tax in- issues. And lastly, Benton is one of our Uh, what we would call a freshman in the Senate, but actually a superstar. So I'm so grateful to have you on the show and welcome Benton. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, very good. Um, so uh, Benton or Senator Solry, it's it's hard for me to say that because our last names are so identical. Um, but you know, tell me a little bit, I gave it our listeners an idea about what Johnston County is like, but give us an idea of what your district is like um, and some of the challenges that you face and what you've been working on for your district. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, though, with how similar our districts are, um, or, or home counties are. Uh, Johnston is a, um, it's a, it's a large county. It's one of the largest in the state. In fact, we're a whole county district and uh, just, just because of the size of the county. Um, we are close to Raleigh. So the Western part of the county has a lot of, um, there's um bedroom communities, people that commute into Raleigh, people that have moved in from out of state and are looking for places to live, uh, a lot of suburbs, exurbs, subdivisions, things like that. 
But then you cross over the Noose River and Highway 42, and you get further east. And uh, Johnson County remains one of the state's largest producers of tobacco, sweet potatoes, um, a large um, industrial agriculture presence. Um, I think in the uh, Triangle region, we're actually still one of the, uh, the largest um, um, ag counties by gross receipts. Um, wow. So it's really two counties, uh, which is a challenge, as you know. Yeah, very similar to Iredell County um, with us and also similar to Iredell County and Johnston County is one of the things that you came up, not consternation or pain, but just frustration in your eyes I could see is transportation. We, You and I both are constantly doing with transportation. So talk a little bit about transportation in Johnston County. And I know that's off the script, but um, it's something that you have a heart for and you've really dove in to try to fix it. Oh, it's, it's a huge issue. Um, yeah, I mean, as you know, Vicky, I mean, the transportation dollars, I mean, kind of lag behind where the needs are. Um, you know, we, we have roads that are two-lane country roads built, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. They're now supporting um, thousands of cars per day, and we can't keep up with it. Um, and that's still one of our biggest challenges, something I know you've been a pioneer on. Um, you know, we're actually working with the Department of Transportation, our county leadership right now, on ways that we can identify projects and have local county and state partnerships to try and accelerate some of these things here uh, in Johnson County because we, we simply cannot keep up. Um, um, with growth of the infrastructure that we have. It's, it's a significant challenge. Um, and that's one of the challenges generally is figuring out how to grow the right way in Johnson County um, and maintain some of the character that, that made us a place that people wanted to move to. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I believe that there is a urban legend that surrounds the halo of Charlotte that's, that says, all roads east of Raleigh are paved with beautiful black ribbons that are roads to nowhere. And I tell them, guys, they have traffic, too. So, Senator Sorry, you're here to tell my listening audience in the Charlotte region, yes, there are road problems in Raleigh, too, correct? Major road problems, major. In fact, we, we would love some of the money that's being allocated to some of the Charlotte counties to come our way. But I understand you guys have your own issues. Too. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So you see, now, yeah. now transportation um, is something that's near and dear to you, but also you've been working on a lot of other um, issues, especially because you have that professional background that most do not. So tell me some, um, you've been a part of some major legislation or crafting it this year. Tell me about one or two that really strikes out the most for you and, and where are those bills now? Yeah, so um, one thing that, that well, that I'll, I'll tell you a success and a failure, um, how I talk about it. One of the, the cool things I had the chance to work on was a hospital violence protection bill um, that turned into a conference report in the House Bill 125. And that was a fascinating experience. We, we took a bill from the House side um, that got used for something else. We put a lot of Senate health care priorities in it, uh, a lot of ways that we reduce regulation, help veterans and military families get medical licenses more easily, um, but, but really and truly work on ways that we can address the mental health crisis and violence that's occurring in our emergency rooms and hospitals. Um, I was able to shepherd that through the Senate. I was able to shepherd that through the conference process. I think I was actually appointed. um, I might have been the only freshman that was appointed the chair of a conference committee and not just one, but two conference committees in session. Um, So we were able to get that bill passed in the Senate passed of the conference committee and signed by the governor. And that was a great feeling because, I mean, you look at it, it's a major health care policy um, bill. It's going to have a tremendous impact statewide on tens of thousands of workers and people like that. So you can look at something and point to it and say, you know, that's a, that's a small difference that you made even in your first term in office. Um, another one, and this is something that you and I have talked about a lot, is the county tier system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Johnson County, like Iredell County, we, we, we have our, our poor rural areas, but we have our high growth and, and high income um, suburb areas as well. 
and because of the way the system is designed and set up, we are classed in with very rich counties like Mecklenburg and Wake and New Hanover and places like that. And so oftentimes we lose out on certain funding sources, such as broadband internet, uh, maybe transportation grants, Golden Leaf grants, things like that. And that's just not equitable to our rural communities, and it leaves them lagging and puts an additional burden on the county. Um, and I think there are better ways to do that, and, and we can address it. We took a stab at it, but um, as you know, and I've probably talked about, sometimes things just sit in rules and yeah. never move out. Um, you yeah. know, we got to work on it again. Yeah. Benton, you're so right about that, uh, the tier system. And so for those of us who are listening, it's a way that was de- designed by um, our leaders about, what, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years, I can't remember now, about how to distribute money when it goes into Raleigh to, you know, bolster those communities that can't raise their own capital themselves. So, um, and that is wonderful, and it works out for certain communities, but when you are in these fast-growing areas like uh, Senator Solry and I, uh, we have areas that need that state funding because they are in those rural areas, um, and and but they actually get kicked out of all of these opportunities to get those state funds because they're considered in what's a wealthier or rich county. Um, I am with you on that one, Benton. We, we will continue to work on that one. Right. Oh. <laughs> um, now, you did decide right. to run again, right? You, you, you're going to put your name back in yes. the ring? All right. So Yes, I'm going to run again. I'm going to go down to, the, um, I guess, the election's office on Monday. And um, I guess Monday's first time we can do it this before and file again, see if the voters will send me back. Oh, very good. Well, I hope I hope that they do. But what are your few, in the last about four minutes that we have here, what are a few of your legislative goals for next term now that you're there and you kind of got your lay of the land where do you see going next um, I want to see tax reform continue. Um, you know, we, we've taken some good steps with uh, with reduction of the income tax um, over a longer horizon this time. Um, I think North Carolina is right to become one of the next states to get rid of the personal income tax. Um, I would like to see, and this is something I think you and I worked on as well together, to see that HOA reform bill yes. um, passed. Um, that, that That is a big deal in our communities. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of tension between homeowners and management companies, especially these national groups. Um, we took a great stab at it. I just didn't quite get it across the finish line this session. Um, and I think it's right there for us to, uh, to finish off in the short session. I think we've got a good opportunity to do so. Um, and the county tier system, I mean, that, that that's a huge issue. Um, I want to see that move. I want to see that turn into policy. I want to see that system reform so that hopefully we can, um, we can properly address the needs of our fast-growing suburban communities. Great. Well, those are those are big things to get accomplished, but just with you watching but watching you work i mean like you said you were the one of the only freshmen if not the only freshmen that were chairing two conference committees that's a big deal and on major pieces of legislation this just wasn't a small pieces of legislation there was a lot of moving parts so that obviously speaks to um the trust that leadership has in you and i'm grateful uh, that you were able to do that now so people just heard from you and they know about you and now they they realize that johnston county too has trouble with their roads and so not all not all money goes to Raleigh. Um, if they want to learn more about you, if they want to donate to your campaign or uh, get in contact with you, Benton, tell them how to reach you. Sure. Um, you can go to my website, www.bentonsawry.com, and that's S-A-W-R-E-Y, not Y-E-R. 
um, which is funny, and I, I think we, we glossed over this, or you mentioned it briefly, yeah. but my, my newspaper um, actually calls me Senator Sawyer. No! But I'm on Twitter at Sawyer for NC, and then uh, Benson Sawyer for North Carolina Sims on Facebook. And oh. I love any support and um, appreciate the opportunity to talk to them. Yeah, thank you so much. And so, Benton, who is your hometown newspaper? So listeners can uh, email in and say that the, the Senator Sawyer lives in Iredell. <laughs> can... That's right. It's yeah. the Johnstonian. Uh, the editor Scott Boljack, who is a good friend, who knows, um, <laughs> I, you know, so, sometimes I wonder if he's doing that intentionally. Just to he may. Well, Senator yeah. Benton Saul Ring, thank you so much for calling into the show. I'm grateful that you're in the Senate. I look forward to, and hopefully we can all come back again and work together for another two years. So thank you so much. I look forward to it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Take care. Have a great day. Yes, sir. Bye. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad that you guys listened in to Senator Sawry. He is um, this, um, you know, young professional who just got elected into the Senate. Um, I saw him walk in and just blew me away with how um, intelligent, thoughtful, resourceful, and effective that he is. I'm excited to serve with him, and I really am um Looking forward to see what that man has in front of him. Uh, he's got a great family. Um, he works really hard. Uh, he's at home at night with the kids, and he's got young children. He really, truly sacrifices uh, to be in part of the Senate. I know a lot of folks feel like, you know, we get elected to the Senate, and we make $200,000 a year, and we've got a staff of 15. The honest truth is that we make fourteen, about $13,900 a year. And we have a staff of one. So this is a big professional sacrifice for anyone to serve in the Senate, especially for someone who works for themselves like Senator Benton Sorry. Thank you so much for listening. When we come back, we'll have Senator Eddie settle on the line. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to We're Just Saying with Senator Vicki Sawyer. Happy to be here on this holiday season, but we're going to say Fridays at 11. It is going to be called election season because we are going to be filing for office next Friday. And in that vein, we've had uh, some senators on today, and I'm so excited to announce the next senator on the line is Senator Eddie Settle. And Eddie, before you start, let me let me brag on you a little bit. So Senator Settle has actually hosted the show before. He pinched hit one day for me before, and he did a fantastic job. And Senator Settle is actually our neighbor. He represents my old stomping ground, which is Yadkin County, but he's actually a native and lives in Wilkes County. He was on the Board of Commissioners in 2012. And he's been serving in consecutive terms ever since then. And then he went into the Senate. Um, Senator Settle, welcome to the show. And thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, Senator. Sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, it's my pleasure to be in. And I know you've did this a long time. And I just want to say a little something about you uh, to those that are listening. She's the most popular person in the Senate. <laughs> she has a bowl of candy that's waist high. It's directly in front of me, and and both parties line up and they circle that desk and and uh, they they enjoy themselves enormously until we get started and then they're full of sugar. That's right. But uh, I do want to say that uh, in all seriousness, that Cinder uh, Sari is a stand-up person uh, for what she does for the folks in this county. She. Uh, I know someone wanted to do a job once, and I heard her say, I want people to support me for the for my work, knowledge, and my ability to do the job. Yeah, and that resounded with me 
Uh, I never forgot that. That was one of uh-huh. our very first caucuses. So that stuck with me uh, pretty good there, Miss Vicki. Thank you, sir. Yeah, so um, so let me tell one on Eddie real quick, if you don't mind, or Senator Settle. So Senator Settle comes in, and he's all <laughs> polished and got his fresh suit on, and it's, what, the first or second day of session? And uh, we're sitting there, and it was our first vote. I can't remember if it was, oh, it might have been the vote to, I guess, anoint Senator uh, Berger as pro tem. And he sits there. It was. It was? Okay. All right. The most nerve-wracking vote, by the way, is any first vote you ever take, right, on the floor? <laughs> Do you want me to tell That's the story, great. or shall you? <laughs> Okay. So we're sitting there and you look up after the vote and there's all of these green buttons and lights beside people's names, which is on the voting board, except for Senator Settle. And we look back and he starts fumbling with the microphone. He's not really sure what to do. And he gets up and he goes... I forgot to mash the button or something. I don't know. But the word mash came out. Now, now you can imagine mash is good for us because we are Southern and we get it. But some of those maybe Democratic persuasion folks who live in Raleigh that haven't lived in North Carolina <laughs> looked at him like he had two heads. Because, but guess what? You have learned to mash the button ever since then. And we're going to talk about some of those stuff because you've, you've made some hard votes as, a, as an incoming freshman senator because you're not new to politics, but you are, you were new to the Senate, but you've had some long held beliefs and you had some really heart wrenching votes that you had to take this year. Tell me, tell me one of those most difficult vote, votes that you had and, and how it worked out for you. Well, they they were the stress was enormous. Yeah, uh, the Medicaid expansion, which you know, I could I could I could go with that in, in either way, but I I just wanted assurance that the 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 taxpayers in North Carolina wouldn't have to pay for that as a state and make mm-hmm. sure the federal government uh, funded that, and I couldn't get a hundred percent assurance on that, so that was. That was very, very tough for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there were a couple more in our caucus that uh, I voted against. That the people in my district, uh, after a lot of prayer and mm-hmm. and uh, and a lot of thought to it, we just uh, I just felt like that it didn't it didn't line up with my people. Well, so that's admirable. Uh, that's a lot of consideration. Mm-hmm. So some of those didn't, but they were tough. But I was always very quiet in my <laughs> in anything that I did. I was very, very quiet. I learned uh, uh, before I came in. I know, I know how it goes. And you know, we're, you're a large family, and I consider my caucus a family. And we we try to uh, help each other and try to come into an agreement in there. But you know, when you're in in a family and together in there, you you've got time to speak your mind. Uh-huh. But I don't believe in going out on the floor and railing against your family. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I, agree. I, I would. Uh, I would always take that stand. Well, I could see the um, pain in your eyes, so to speak. If any of your listeners or any of our listeners are um, listening and represented by Senator Eddie Settle, he takes every vote 
um, with prayer and caution and thought. And you did. You worked and called people at home, especially on the Medicaid expansion, on those other hard votes that you had to take. Um, and you you didn't just go in and willy-nilly hit a red or mash a red or green button. You absolutely, uh, you took a lot of the heartfelt time. Now, something that you like to mash on a lot about is agriculture, because not only did you are a successful um, business person in a sign company, you also are a cattleman. Um, and you've been really involved in agriculture in North Carolina for a long time. Um Tell me what you see, especially when you're talking about Western North Carolina agriculture, and what do you kind of want to work on in this next session as we go forward? Well, yeah, agriculture is our number one gross domestic product in, in all the state. But in my district and in a, a large mm-hmm. part to yours in the northern area, uh, we're we're very rural, conservative, and lots of agriculture cattle farming and small grain uh, is up and down North Carolina, uh, Wilkes, Yadkin, Alexander, Surrey. And we, uh, we, we produce a lot of ag. I thought we did uh, one, once when I was a county commissioner, I, I was bragging in Raleigh at a county commissioner association that we were seventh in the state in total agricultural receipts. I'll never forget a gentleman from Sampson County, looked at me and he said, that's wonderful. He said, we're number one in the world. Oh, wow. Hog production down there. So anyway, it's uh, it's uh, a tough business to be in this right now in the meat processing. And I don't know if I've told you, Senator, but I sold my printing and sign-making business with mm-hmm. uh, 30 years back in April. And I kind of crazy, like I, I purchased a meat processing plant. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, the, the North Carolina Department of Agriculture is taking a tough stance on these custom kills, mm-hmm. which um, is tough in my business mm-hmm. and a lot of the small, small guys. So, um, have an so we have we have a, a, an audience here in around the Charlotte region, but we do have we get podcasted, too. So when you talk about custom kill, we need to make sure folks know what custom kill is. I didn't know what custom kill was until y'all educated it because <laughs> it sounds like it could be something going down in the city where they should have to worry about like, you know, like maybe somebody with a, you know, a last name of Lazara or something like that would <laughs> take somebody out. So well, tell, I'm kidding. Tell people what well, custom kill is. <laughs> well, the custom kill is you, you would raise your animal uh, yourself Mm-hmm. Uh, in your pasture, you, you uh, say it's cattle. You've got a beef you've put up. You want a corn grain fed that animal, and then it's come time for slaughter, and you would call a local custom shop. Mm-hmm. They would send someone out. They would uh, uh, slaughter that animal and take bring it back for processing mm-hmm. and hang it in a cooler, and uh, it's been going on for I don't know how, as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Anyway, the state now, they don't want you to go out and custom kill on the site. They want everything brought in and killed inside in a plant where it's inspected with a uh, with an inspection mm-hmm. so they can inspect the kill, even though this, this is not for sale animal. This animal will be consumed only by the person or the family, whoever has raised the animal. Mm-hmm. So they want, they want it inspected and uh, brought into a custom inspection. Which is making it tough on the, a lot of the small guys, especially if 
an ambulatory animal that's possibly broken a leg on the farm. They said, we know we want to process this beef, this, uh, the meat, and we want to keep it for our family. And uh, you can't do that now. Right. Right. So and we you just lose down. That's right. And, you know, I, I, I was joking tongue in cheek about really didn't know what custom kill is, but I just enjoy the steak on my uh, plate. And I don't necessarily always feel like or understand how it got to. But really, COVID exasperated a lot of this stuff and started off this whole industry of folks who would be able to process meat or do it through either at a facility or do it in a mobile unit. And those mobile units aren't cheap. And so what happened is that these uh, the state has changed, and correct me where I'm wrong, the state basically said the North Carolina Department of Ag is not going to be the one who inspects these things anymore. Actually, the Department of Health and Human Services and your environmental folks are going to be the ones who inspect it, just like they do when you see the inspection on your local butcher shop at the Harris Teeter or the Food Lion or whatever. So... Instead of having, you know, this, you know, these folks had just invested all of this money into processing this meat in a custom kill kind of fashion. And then the regulatory framework just got changed and switched out on them. And now they've got to spend, Eddie, in some cases, what, 250, maybe 500,000, maybe even a million dollars to stay in business. If they if they build an inside custom uh, inside slaughter facility, it could be five hundred to a million. And these uh, mobile units, they're one fifty to two hundred thousand. And these are folks that, like you said, during COVID, they, a lot of them just got started up then, and they're they're uh, processing a lot of beef because during the COVID, a lot of people realize that in the shortage, there was there's times you couldn't find any burger, right. you couldn't find you know, we couldn't get any toilet paper, and then mm-hmm. we, then you can make out with a corn cob, but you can't make out without something to eat. So they, it, it got a little critical. So a lot of folks went into that business, and then the state uh, NCDA said, "No, we're going to we're going to turn mm-hmm. this over to Health and Human Services," and that's that has changed things. Well, Eddie, in the last sixty seconds that we have, and thank you, and we'll I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, Tell us uh, how we can get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, give us your website um, and uh, contact information. EddieSettle.com. If you'll go to that, it, it tells all about me. And there's a small page in there for donations. Very good. And uh, anything helps. Uh, uh, I, we know we're going to have opposition this fall. Mm. And uh, if you if you on my side, we sure would love to have your help. Absolutely. Want to volunteer to help in any way. We need you. North Carolina is in the right direction. Thank you to Senator Sawyer and and uh, working over the many years of uh, cutting taxes and uh, keeping our state fiscally strong. We're able to bring some money back to our districts. And uh, I thank you, Senator, for what you did and and helping us all, oh. uh, helping a poor old freshman here that <laughs> mastered the wrong button. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And Senator Settle, thank you so much for calling in the show. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, but I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Well, thank you all for listening. We are going to take a short break where we hear Senator Danny Britt may be back on. So thank you. And thanks for listening to the show. Well, we're back. Last segment of our show, we're just saying with Senator Vicki Sawyer. I am so grateful to be here during this Christmas and Hanukkah season. And 
election season, or at least election filing season. That's right. Get your mailboxes reinforced because mailers are coming to you. And I will be hopefully one of those people on those mailers. I figured since we had devoted the first portion of our show to other people who are running for office, it might be a great time and opportunity to announce that I, too, am looking forward to running for office again. Uh, just like Senator Saul Reese said, we will be filing on December 4th, and I uh, will be having the Rated X section, a set, a Rated X segment here just in a few minutes because, of course, as I announced uh, on the Twitterverse, or I'm going to say X, then I uh, got some great feedback from our uh, nice nasty people who who enjoy being mean on Twitter for some reason. But I wanted to tell you uh, why I decided to run again. Um, it wasn't, an, quite frankly, it wasn't an easy decision. Talking about the Rated X and, you know, um, some of the things, especially during when we had some of those really strained social issues, such as abortion, which I was one of the leads on, as well as some of the transgender legislation, Parents' Bill of Rights. This was a tough, emotionally tough session for me. It, when, when you have people who are emailing and direct messaging you, wishing death on your children, and writing crazy um, handmade signs and putting them close to your yard, it can take a toll. And it was very, um, with not without thought, that I decided to run again because I decided that if I give in to those bullies, because let's be honest, that's what those people are. They're just bullies. It's the same playground that I had to deal with in kindergarten and first grade all the way. I was a buck tooth, heavy set, rat tail wearing, trailer park kid in rural Davidson, North Carolina, who got picked on heavily by the cool kids. And that was all the way through and, you know, maybe that's just a theme that God has put into my life to make me a better person over time. But I realized if I listen to those people, then I'm going to let them win. There's a quote that I had, I'm going to try to recall, but I'll probably will misquote it because as my friends close to me know that I don't always have the best memory for these type of things. But, you know, sometimes when people take a bite of, out of you, that's the only taste of success they will ever have. And I think about that a lot. And so I am going to run again. I am going to work very hard to represent Iredell County, Cornelius, and the town of Davidson, and also all of North Carolina. There's things that I haven't got accomplished that I want to get accomplished. And really, um, and let me name those off real quick, just, just so you know where I'm at. One of the first calls I got when I first started is a call from a distraught grandfather who had invited his family over for July 4th and he was driving his family on a golf cart and hit a pothole. When he hit the pothole, the three-year-old grandchild that was riding in his lap fell and that child died. He was calling because as his senator, he wanted help in repairing that road. What I found out was, is that road had no way to be repaired because it's called an orphaned road. Now, this orphaned road story is something that I didn't wake up and say, I want to be a senator to do this, but it's something that I see has been called to do. 
This orphan road also hurt a veteran. I got a call maybe a year later. A veteran was applying for a VA loan. He called and said, I am on an orphaned road. Now I cannot get the preferred rate from the VA, and I have to go through a sub um, subrate loan because the VA or the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are requiring that I live on a road that is not an orphaned road. So when I talk about an orphaned road, what am I talking about? No, it's not a little road that's all tied up in a yellow strip bow with a white that's sitting there on the side crying. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, is the pain of 2008 and nine is still hitting us here today when we had the housing crisis. In these fast-growing areas like Iredell County and Johnston, actually all over North Carolina, we had developers come in, build houses, and then leave. Well, they left without making sure that the roads that they had installed to service those houses were turned over to the DOT or turned over to a homeowners association for maintenance. So all is well and good when you buy your home and you're excited and you drive down that road and you notice, you probably do not notice that there's not two yellow lanes or, or, or DOT striping, or maybe you look up on the right-hand side and see this caution side that says road maintenance ends here. You don't know that when that pothole that that grandfather hit or that loan that that veteran couldn't get is because you're on what's called an orphan road. It is these developers had abandoned these roads and now it's like the wild, wild west. So if you're on a road and say you have 10 people who live on this road that has an orphan, in other words, DOT is not going to maintain it. You cannot get the pothole fixed. You have to work with your neighbors, come out of your own pocket and try to fix your road. I don't know if you have wonderful neighbors. I hope that you do. Not everyone does. Trying to get those people on the same page to fix a road that's money that they didn't know they had to spend is a toxic and terrible situation. This is a problem that local governments have created, and it is a problem that needs to be fixed. Your home is one of your most valued possessions in the way that you can gain generational wealth over time. If we as government do not step in and help you protect your main asset, then what are we here for? The orphan roads is something that's very important to me. Roofing inspections, again, something else that happened in my agency. When you guys get someone who knocks on the door and they say, we just had a hailstorm, and I think, will you let me inspect your roof to see if it has damages? And you say, well, sure, this is great. It's easy. I don't have to worry about it because now I've got somebody here who will inspect my roof. Well, not always are those people actually there to help you. In fact, they're there to possibly and probably hurt you. So we've had instances where these people will come in from out of state after a storm go into a neighborhood, proclaim that there's hell damage, get up on top of the roof. Sometimes they even create their own damage, even though you don't have hell damage. Turn in a claim, fix the roof, shot and do a terrible job, and then they're gone. Sometimes the roofs, they take the money. 
Sometimes they say, hey, let's get this insurance company to pay, and then they take and run the money. What happened with me is there was a legitimately a little old lady called into our, our office, and she had been shammed by one of these. The roof was in so improperly installed by this company that it only had one nail per shingle. So within months after they had left, nowhere to find them, her roof is linking. Well, in an insurance policy, that is not covered. That is workmanship is not covered under your policy. So what is going to happen to her now? She has no insurance to cover this this dilapidated roof. These shysters just took all of her that away from her. And the one thing that she needs to protect her home, to keep staying in her home, is now shambling around her. So I've, I have, every year I've been there, tried to get this roofing inspections um, legislation through. It is seems so easy, right? You know, it's, it's surprising to me, the only thing that is not required to be inspected on your home is your roof. It, technically, if you move any kind of electrical outlet, you're supposed to get an inspection. But for some reason, as long as, if, as, long as your roof is under $30,000 in total um, replacement, it doesn't have to get inspected. So what we're seeing is this type of troublesome behavior out of shysters who are coming into North Carolina and absolutely taking advantage of people. I want to get that done. Lastly, Senator Sawry had mentioned something that is very dear to my heart, and that's transportation. And he had helped me, and we're working through these are complex issues. They're easy to explain, but they're hard to solve. But this last one is even more difficult. We want to give municipalities the uh, access to funding so that they can actually pull down these projects that the DOT has promised them and do it without having to go to the bond market. In other words, if I think the town of Huntersville just recently issued a bond where they could use um, a voter-approved bond, which basically is just like a loan or a mortgage like you would take out on your house in order to do transportation projects, it would be like that except for it would be a state infrastructure bank where municipalities or cities can go and say, hey, DOT, in 10 years you said that I'm going to get this exit 26 or exit 38 built. Well, I can't wait 10 years. The hospital's going in down here in Huntersville, or we have NASCAR folks up in Mooresville that needs that exit. This would allow those municipalities to bring that down, construct it, and go to the private market through a bank's an infrastructure bank supported by um, the state of North Carolina in order to get those needs met faster. So those are three of the things that I've been working on. They don't make the uh, you know, newspapers headlines and they're not sexy and cool, but there's something that affects each and every one of us every day. And that's what state government should do. So I am dedicated to continue to work and service for you. Now, in the Rated X segment, real quick, I mentioned that and I only have a few seconds left. So I put out there, I'm honored to uh, announce our campaign and of course, I get this back. You're a terrible person who lies all the time. So basically, you fit right in with NCGOP's brood of vipers. So I say to that person, I hope that made you feel better. I'm glad that you got that off your chest. But I am going to run and I want to win and represent Iredell and North Mecklenburg again in the next election. Thank you all for listening. Happy holidays.
the new 1059 100.7 WSIC Statesville Mooresville North Charlotte